Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. And for the now until really till December, we are going to be digging in to what God has for us in the book of Mark. So please welcome Pastor Scott. Oh, thank you. Ali, I just drank a whole bottle of water. You didn't need to know that. <laughs> but in case you're taking notes, if I have to run off midway through the sermon, why? Um, hey, great morning this morning. Can we thank Tristan for sharing the communion encouragement today? He's such a faithful man of God and such a blessing and to you know, have our, our worship team as well to see Elaine leading a song, Sue leading a song. We are so blessed. We've got so many different people with so many different gifts and talents and um, it is a great thing to be a part of. Who was here last week? Trick question? You weren't here. <laughs> we were in Malaga last week for our faith offering and um, well, that was a great service, great, great time to get the family together to celebrate what God is doing. And I uh, want to give a bit of an update on our faith offering from last week. And we have a video to let us know what happened. So cue the video. Good morning, Alan Brook. Great to be with you this morning. It's a privilege for me to give you an update on our faith offering total as of this week just gone but before I give you that update I just want to say thank you so very much for being you for your faith-filled obedience and generosity Sunday just gone our faith offering Sunday was absolutely incredible and I'm aware that a number of us weren't able to make it being sick being away and so forth so the total is going to continue to increase through the month of August for those that are still looking to give but as of two days ago as of Friday we have managed to raise collectively between Malaga, Ellenbrook and Livingston a grand total of $149,178.74. Isn't God good? Out of that, we've already got in our bank over $123,000 and some of the pledges still coming to be fulfilled. But church, Thank you so very much for being you. May God continue to be lifted up in this process as we bless the multitudes. Have a great rest of the service. $149,000. That was not a mistake. Can we give some praise to God for that this morning? I mean, we had a faith kind of target for 100,000, and as God usually does, He exceeded our, you know, our idea. And um, as Josh said, there's going to be more money that comes in as well. We see every year that people bring you know, their offering perhaps later in the, the month. Uh, and so if you, you weren't here last week or you haven't had the opportunity to give into that offering, don't get put off by the amount to say, oh, we've already done it, 
Because as we've said the whole way, whether we raise 70,000 or 180,000, it's not really about the amount. It's the opportunity to offer what we have to God for what he is wanting to do. On your seats, there are some flyers and envelopes. Um, so you can take those away if you would like to still be a part of that and to bring in your, your offering. Uh, be encouraged to do so. And we're believing that that is going to continue to increase and we will be able to do more than we were initially planning with the money that has come in. But yeah, when I heard that myself, my first thought is, that is not a work of man by any means. That is a work of God in people. And so we are so grateful and thankful that people have responded with faith, with obedience to what God has prompted and led. And um, if you haven't had that chance, take those, those envelopes home, maybe fill it in, bring it back, or give it to someone at reception. Uh, and we will continue to do what we can with what comes in. But I, I was blown away. I was a little, a little emotional, actually, feeling, you know, God is doing something incredible in our midst. As, as was said before, we are starting off in the Gospel of Mark. Who likes reading the Bible? That is not another trick question. <laughs> we actually did a series earlier in the year uh, on the Gospel of John. And what, what we found was that there was such a unifying effect as we read through the Bible together, as we were on the same page. And so we're praying about what we should go through next as a church community. And we felt the Gospel of Mark would be a great place for us to journey together. When we did John, we actually did one chapter. No, we did a chapter a day, wasn't it? And so we went through all of those chapters within one month. What we're going to do with Mark is we're going to take our time. So we're going to go through one chapter every week until December. And as I've been reading through Mark's gospel, I'm like, every chapter is action-packed. And you could preach like 15 sermons out of just one chapter. So as we go through the gospel of Mark, my encouragement to us is that we read ahead so the week coming up, today we're going into Mark 1, but next week, read Mark chapter 2 in the lead up to Sunday so that you come already kind of with an idea of where we may be going or what God is saying and speaking to you. And as we do go through this, this book, if you do feel that God is, is showing you something, let us know. We'd love to hear. We'd love to hear what God is speaking to people through his word in our community. And maybe we'll get some people to share that or we'll um, share some you know, testimonies of what God is showing people through his word in the gospel of Mark. As I said, we're not going to be able to like fully preach the whole chapter in one sermon. So we're probably going to take a theme of that, you know, Mark 1, what, what a common theme is, a word or a story that takes place in it. You'll see as you look at Mark's gospel, it is one of the synoptic gospels and it, it gives a little bit of a different kind of insight into Jesus, who he was and his ministry. It is an action-packed, very fast-paced uh, gospel. And so Mark doesn't really put a lot of detail into uh, some of the stories that he will share. And he, he kind of gives the, the essentials, the real kind of, the, this is what happened, this is what happened, this is what happened. You'll see that the word immediately shows up quite a lot, or this was next, this, then, this then this happened. Even to one, you'll see there's a whole bunch of different things that he lists. 
And um, it was initially, the, the general consensus was that it was initially uh, addressed to a, a, a Roman audience. So it was more for those that were Gentile or non-Jewish background. So we see the Gospel of Matthew particularly expounds upon Jewish understanding that the, the audience initially was to the Jew. And this Gospel is written to potentially those Gentiles living in Rome at that time. We'll go into that a little bit in a, in a bit because that gives a little bit of context of you want to know like who to. If I said that, you know, we're writing a letter to the church over in, um, I don't know, Queensland, there might be a little bit of a, a difference in the way that we would write. Or if we're sharing the gospel with someone from a Muslim background, you know, we may want to, to just connect, what, connect the gospel to some of their background so that they could understand and we can bring Jesus to them in the way that perhaps would, they would see, but then open up to what the reality of Jesus is. So knowing that he's written this to a particular um, audience kind of helps us with that. I've got a couple of kids, got two kids, and um, they are hard at times to, to keep on track, to keep their attention, even harder to get their attention. If you know of kids, you know that they can get a little bit uh, you know, boisterous at times, hard to, to bring them back to what you're trying to say to them or trying to get their attention, trying to, trying to call them to, to do something or to come for dinner or what it might be. But uh, there, you know, we try different tactics. We you know, gently prompt, gently, with gentle words. We may use different variations of hand gestures and, and, and expressions. Uh, interpretive dance we may employ to try and get their attention. But there is one thing that will get the attention of every child. One sound. And we're going to play that sound right now. I want to see if the kids come out of the kids' ministry. Ice cream! <laughs> I played that this morning at home. My kids were like, what was that? Mr. Whippy. <laughs> there is a sound that will grab the attention of every child in, in, the, the, in the realm, in the, in the region, and it is the sound of Mr. Whippy. As we open up the, the Gospel of Mark, we see that there is this sound, this siren, this voice that is coming to get the attention of humanity. We start off and we see that Mark lists, uh, he, he says this, to start his, his gospel there. This is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. It began just as the prophet had written. Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. And he was talking about John the Baptist, who would, who would come and preach a message and call people to baptism for the repentance of sin. And he would bring them out and he would call out like this voice, this siren that would prepare the way for the Lord to come. John the Baptist was pointing to Jesus. He was preparing the way for Jesus to come. And uh, we hear this announcement that he is coming. 
We read on from that first part of Mark where he talks about John the Baptist. And then we see that one day Jesus comes and he is baptized. And we, know, we have to understand that uh, this baptism was for the forgiveness of sin. But we know that Jesus had no sin. And so this was a, his being baptized was more the fulfillment of righteousness, as it says in Matthew. He came to be baptized not because he needed to be forgiven of sin, but to fulfill the righteous commands of God. In Jesus, all of those righteous commands are fulfilled. And so he, he, he goes through baptism, and then we see that the voice of the Father speaks over him, that he is, this is my son, my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. Then the Spirit compels Jesus to go into the wilderness, and he's tempted by Satan. See how fast-paced this is? You're like getting a lot in here in this first chapter. And then we see this, this part in, in, in verse 14 where Jesus speaks for the first time recorded in Mark. And it says this. It's going to be one of our key texts this morning. Later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last. I'll read from the NIV. The time has come. He said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. This is the first message that we see Mark record of Jesus' words. The time has come. The kingdom is near. Repent and believe. So just as John's voice rang out to prepare the way of the Lord, now Jesus' voice cries out. He speaks a message to the people to let them know that now is the time. That they've been waiting for this Messiah, and that now is the time, and that the kingdom is near. We see that his message was repent and believe in the good news. Repent and believe in the good news. Can I say that repenting is not an old-fashioned thing? The message that Jesus spoke, that he preached, was one of repentance, Repentance being a changing of the mind, a changing from one set of thinking to another way of thinking. And in order for us to, to fully embrace his message of the kingdom, we need to repent of understanding what this earthly kingdom is like. And so we see that Jesus declared the kingdom is near. The kingdom is near. That word near is actually really interesting. And, and uh, as you look at it, 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 you can only marvel at God's inspiration as he inspired the writer to, to use this, to, to, to capture those words that Jesus said, to say that the kingdom is near. That word near, it, it's like this, this, it has come and is kind of touching the current reality. And we have to wrestle with the tension of understanding that the kingdom of God is here, the kingdom of God is near, and the kingdom of God is still to come. It is the now and the not yet of the kingdom. The kingdom was ushered in by the presence of Jesus, by the king. And he says the kingdom is near, the kingdom has come, the kingdom is now. 
We see elsewhere in, in, I think it's in Matthew's gospel, that he says, the kingdom of God is in your midst. He has come. The kingdom is being brought in, ushered in by the king. And so Jesus declares that the kingdom is near. The kingdom. What is the kingdom of God? It It is the domain of God's rule. The place of his sovereignty, the realm or the or the, the region where the sovereignty of God is seen. It's his kingdom. He is and he rules. And as Jesus speaks, he declares that the kingdom, the kingdom is here. The kingdom. There was a declaration that this was coming. We were going to read on and we see, I want to show you something that takes place just a little further on in Mark chapter 1 verse 21. It says, They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Jesus enters into the synagogues where, where, where there was teaching taking place, and he starts to teach. Even those who were uh, given the position or the role of teaching. And what took place was people noticed his teaching. And we're not told that it was the words that he used or the eloquence with which he spoke. But they were amazed at his teaching and the authority that he had in his teaching. What caught them was the authority with which Jesus taught. We saw that the, the, the teachers of the law or the scribes, that they were given the, the position and the, the duty of teaching, teaching the law, speaking, you know, teaching people in the synagogue. And then even those people were, were kind of amazed at how he spoke with such authority. Now, you've got to think about this because Jesus wasn't just teaching something out of a book. He wasn't just teaching principles that are nice to live by. He was communicating the essence of God in word. He has authority because he is the word. And so as he teaches, he teaches as one with authority. That word authority in the Greek is exousia. And it is a place that uh, someone who has been given headship or lordship or, or, or sovereignty over a certain uh, place, over a certain dwelling. He taught with authority and they recognized the authority. They might not have known where he came from. They didn't know his background. They, they probably hadn't seen him before. They weren't familiar. But the authority with which he taught caught their attention. They recognized, they started to recognize that this is actually the king. That this is not just a normal person teaching here. There's something different about him. They saw his authority. He is the king. Can I say that Jesus has all authority? And what he says carries authority. And so if it carries authority, we should probably listen to what he says. Because he's not just kind of taking some words off of a scroll and, 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 and teaching them for uh, his own good. He, he is speaking the words of life. He knows what he's saying. 
He has authority. And they recognized it. They were like, wow, this guy has got authority. I said before that this was addressed to those in Rome. Now, this is where we're going to see that, that as Jesus declares that the kingdom of God is come, it's going to show something because it's going to bring a clashing of kingdoms. In the physical sense, the kingdom of God has a physical setting. It, brings, it, it comes in a... But on the earth, you know that there are different kingdoms and empires that have been set up. At the point of Jesus coming, and he came at the right time, just when it was supposed to happen, what was the most powerful kingdom on the earth? The Roman Empire. The Roman Empire had um, expanded by this time into many lands. Can we show that, that map, please, Phoebe, detailing where, where the Roman Empire had spread out, obviously from its origin in Rome. They had moved throughout most of that, that map there and were therefore responsible for ruling and reigning over those different nations or those different places. What had taken place in Israel, the people of Israel, is that there'd been some sort of a, a, almost like a, a civil war between the Pharisees and the Sadducees really had uh, kind of spearheaded that. Israel had kind of become divided and the Roman Empire had uh, captured or taken over. And so now they were in this place where most of the, 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 that known world was now in the Roman Empire. So when Jesus proclaims that there is a kingdom come, there's going to be a clashing with the current system of kingdom. This is an announcing that the Roman Empire is actually not the most powerful kingdom right now. That there is a greater kingdom than what you understand in Rome. We see as well that, that as Mark is writing this, he, he's wanting the, the, those that are reading to see who are living in this kind of space right now where they're under Roman occupancy, where they are under the rule and the reign of Caesar, that, that in fact there is a greater king that has come. And so as he, he's saying that this kingdom is now. This kingdom is more powerful. What we know of the, the title Caesar uh, and the emperor there was that there was actually a teaching in common to, the, to that empire that Caesar was God. He was divine. They would say, can we show the coin? There was coins that they had with Caesar's head on that would say the son of divine. They, they, they would kind of elevate Caesar to this place of divinity and lordship. Another chant was Caesar is Lord. There was a common understanding. And so when we see that Jesus brings the kingdom, he's actually coming against the kingdoms of this world. The biggest power at that time was still not as powerful as the kingdom that was now. Ruling all of that territory, all of that place, with all of the power in place, still not as powerful as the kingdom of God. And so they needed to repent from the understanding of being in that system and look to this new kingdom to receive what Jesus was bringing in, what he was ushering in. Every empire, every kingdom that earth has ever set up has fallen. 
It has crumbled. It has broken down every kingdom. No matter how powerful it was at the time, it has been destroyed, laying in ruins now. But there is a kingdom that will reign eternally, the kingdom of God. It is an eternal kingdom. It has more power than anything this earth could ever show. And so there's this, this, there's this clashing of the kingdoms that uh, Jesus initiates here as he declares that the kingdom is near. Let's look at something handed over for crucifixion. And we, you will not speak to me. Do you not know that I have authority to crucify you? He's saying, I'm in charge here. I call the shots. I've got the power to kill you, to crucify you. I have the authority by the Roman Empire, by, by the governance, by, the, by the, that system and structure that is in place. I'm the man. I've got the power. I've got the authority. And then Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has greater sin. The system of the world is saying that I've got the authority, I've got the power delegated to me by the kingdom or the empire of Rome to do what I want with you, to crucify you, to kill you. And Jesus is like, no, you only have authority because it's been given to you. And this is authority that is handing me into God's plan, moving me on the path towards God's plan for me, which we see later in Mark, the suffering servant. The authority had been given so that God's plan could come to fruition. And Jesus challenges that. But the understanding was we've got the power. We're the empire. We, we can do what we want. We can call what we want. This is challenged again later on. And we see that the apostles and the disciples, they hold to a similar understanding. We're going to jump into Acts chapter 17, verse 7. This is when they've been stirring up what they're calling stirring up trouble, preaching the gospel. And then it says, And Jason welcomed them into his house. They're talking about these disciples. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. They were arrested. They were in trouble because they were not listening to the decrees, the commands of Caesar, who everyone else said was Lord. They say there is another king, Jesus. You know, if the kingdom is here, if the kingdom is now, if the kingdom has come, then that must change the way we live. Our allegiance is not to the nation of Australia. Our allegiance is not to uh, any system or structure of man. Our allegiance is to King Jesus and his kingdom. We see this in, in America, there's, there's this kind of confusing, almost like blending of some sort of nationalism. I don't know if you've, if you've noticed or you've, you've witnessed this, where I'm American first and then I'm a Christian. And I pledge allegiance to the, the flag of the United States of America and then Jesus is part of that. No, 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 no. No. I'm a Christian who resides in Australia. I'm known first by my relationship with him. He is my ruler. He is my king. I just live in Australia. And yes, I will submit to the laws of the land. But if those laws come against his laws, then we're going to be a little bit like 
these disciples and say, we have a different king. Sorry, we serve a different king. We, we're under a different set of rules. We've got a different legislation. We're part of the kingdom. And guess what? The time is coming, I believe, when that's going to be tested. When the church's allegiance is going to be tested by some of the, the laws and, the, and the, the things that may be passed may come into our nation. And we're going to say, are we going to stand for the ways of God or will we submit to those ways of man? At some point, maybe your allegiance is going to be tested. So which kingdom do you belong to? Jesus came and he declared, the kingdom is near. The kingdom is near. Listen to his message throughout the gospel. He speaks on the kingdom. He teaches on the kingdom. There's parables about the kingdom. This is a big deal. The kingdom of God. The rule and reign of God where he has authority. And so that, that, that earthly kingdom is challenged. And perhaps, you know, we, we, our, our nation isn't set up the same as uh, Rome was with empire and ruler with a Caesar. But maybe there's kingdoms in your life that have been set up. The kingdom of God is near. And that's going to test and touch every kingdom that you would establish in your own life. Uh, that prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done. I think that's part of why we're called to pray that. What, how do we pray? We pray, your kingdom come. And if your kingdom's going to come, my kingdom's got to go. If your kingdom, your rule, your reign, your sovereign authority is going to come, then my little kingdoms, they got to go. The little thrones that I set up, that's got to go. Because he is the one true king. Are you with me this morning? Am I, three of us good? Let's see if we can get four by the end of this sermon. Jesus declared that the kingdom is near. Then we read on just after they saw this, this, um, this authority in him. And it says, Just then a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a, with a shriek. So Jesus declared the kingdom is near. And then Jesus demonstrated the kingdom is near. The kingdom coming has a, a, a physical, uh, it's going to mess with the physical kingdoms. But can I tell you that there are other forces at play in the spiritual realms and the kingdom of God is supreme over all of those. So in the synagogue, take note of that, in the place of religion, where, 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 where they were religious, there was someone with a, with a spirit, an impure spirit that had been afflicting them. You know, religion can't set you free. Religion can't bring deliverance. You can follow the rules. You can, you can try and do the customs. You can try and keep it to the T. But, but that religion will not set you free. Only Jesus can. The King can. 
And so in this place where they're speaking, where he's teaching, as the kingdom is coming, something from a different kingdom starts to get irked up. And he says he started to, to shriek, and they could see that this demonic presence was afflicting this man. And so what's incredible to note is what the, the demon actually says. The demon recognizes that this is Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, have you come to destroy us? He knows what is going to take place. He knows the authority that Jesus has. Even the demonic understands and recognizes that he is sovereign over all. Even the kingdom of darkness understands that that this king is ruler over all. They recognize the authority that Jesus has. I don't know if this makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable talking about the demonic, but i got to tell you that there is a different realm. There is a spiritual realm that, that is very, very real. And in our Western kind of culture, I think we get a little bit, a little bit uh, trapped away from this, as in we don't think it's necessarily an issue. But it's true. It's real. There is a different kingdom. There are different forces, different spirits at work. And when Jesus comes into this place, he starts to teach, starts to react. And he deals with it. He has authority over the demonic. I was having these dreams once where this like this kind of it felt like some sort of spirit was kind of, I don't know if anyone else has ever experienced this, but like physically pushing on my chest as I'm sleeping. Like tormenting or trying to, to you know, scare or, or, or bring fear into me. And I, I just remember calling on the name of Jesus. Just call, literally calling on the name of Jesus. Just Jesus. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Because the name of Jesus has authority over these demonic things. The name of Jesus carries authority. And those things would go. That, that, that thing, that, it stopped. And that has been my kind of counsel to anyone else. Because I've heard other people have similar uh, moments where they feel like things have oppressed have, have or things that have, voices that have spoken, just proclaim the name of Jesus. Just call on the name of Jesus. You don't have to have some sort of long kind of prayer. Just call on, the Jesus, on Jesus' name. Listen to what Jesus says. Be quiet. He's not having a conversation. He's not trying to convince them. He's just like, be quiet. Come out of him. And what did it do? came out of him because he's got authority. And he demonstrated the power of the kingdom of God. As we've been reading Mark and, and kind of preparing for this, I, I, am, I am sensing that God is going to do some stuff, that the kingdom is going to be manifest, that we're going to see the demonstration of his kingdom coming. The, the reality of his kingdom among us. As we align ourselves to that and say that he is king, he is sovereign, he is Lord, he is the authority. That there's going to be the demonstration of the kingdom. 
and don't be scared. Have no fear. Don't, don't be afraid. For he is sovereign. He is in control. Now, I'm not saying we're going demon hunting. Because I don't think that's what took place. They just, as they went, as the kingdom was, was coming, there was the demonstration. They dealt with stuff as it came. And that's what's going to happen. But there is power in his kingdom. And when we live aligned to his kingdom, we realize that there is a demonstration that as his kingdom comes, it affects this natural world. Read from Colossians verse 1. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, the kingdom of darkness, and brought us into the kingdom of the Son that he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You know, they're, 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 his kingdom is the most powerful spiritual reality. We have been rescued from the dominion or, or the kingdom of darkness, from that place of darkness, and brought into the kingdom of light. His kingdom, his power. We read back there in Mark chapter 1 that once Jesus cast this demon out, it says the people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. They noticed, they recognized the authority, the power. That Jesus carried. And it made a difference. Like we haven't seen this before. This, this, is, this is incredible. And again for those initial Christians reading this. Those who are seeing this. They're seeing that there is a different kingdom at, at hand. There is a different way of life. That there is power in this. So Jesus declared the kingdom of God is here. Jesus demonstrated the kingdom is near, that we may discover the kingdom is near. What do we do with this? What do we do with the declaration, as Jesus says, the kingdom is here? What, what do we do? Well, if we, if, we, if we recognize this and we understand this, then as I said before, it's going to change the way we do things. We may need to repent, to turn away from our own way of living, where we are Lord, where we make the decisions, where we are the, the ruling authority. You see this right now in our culture. There is, this, there is this desire, this struggle, this wrestle for autonomy where I can just make my own decisions, where it's about me doing what I want, me doing whatever is good for me, me doing whatever feels good for me. It is seeping into the culture of the church. But if we believe that the kingdom is near, that, that Jesus is bringing the kingdom, that, that it's right now, then that's going to change the way we do life. Because it's going to check us to say, where is my allegiance? Today, where is your allegiance? I know this may challenge. Good. I know this may be confronting. Good. 
I'd prefer to confront than leave us in a place where we're all mixed up and muddled up. Repent and believe in the good news. Turn away from those things. Turn away from those systems. Turn away from some of those structures that we've put in our hearts. And make the commitment to him. To commit to his kingdom. So it tests our allegiance. I ask you that question this morning. Where, where is your, who, who is sovereign in your life? Who calls the shots? Whose voice do you listen to? Is it him or is it someone else? Is it ourselves? So it challenges our allegiance, but it also challenges our priorities. We see later that Jesus says, and we read it in Matthew, seek first the kingdom. So if this reality is ours, if this is true, if this is right, then it's going to change our priorities. What are we going to seek? What are we going to give time to? What are we going to give our lives to? To seek first the kingdom. What, what, what is it that, that gets priority in our hearts? Is it his kingdom? Is it the king? Or are there different things? What helps to, to align those things in our, in our schedules, in our, our finances, in, in all of those different things, in our sexuality? What, what, what is it that we give priority to? Is it his king? Is it the king in his kingdom? Or is it other things? So it tests, it tests our, our, our allegiance. It tests our priority. And it brings us to a place of understanding that if we are the king's kids then we too are ambassadors of this authority that he has. That he has given authority to his church to bring his kingdom, to, 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 to be a part of his kingdom, to demonstrate his kingdom, to declare his kingdom. That we have actually been called to live a life that aligns with his kingdom and, and demonstrates the power and the reality of his kingdom. So if I believe this to be true, then it actually affects the way that I do life. My prayer is that as we continue on in Mark, you'll see the urgency with which he speaks about these matters. I love it because it's like, like this is real. This is serious. Like, let's just get into this and get on with this and... You know, live this out. And it's not just enough to kind of believe it. There's got to be some sort of living it, some sort of living it out. James says that even the demons believe that he's Lord. But that's not a faith that he's called us to. It's a faith that, that I believe it and now I'm going to align my life with it and live it out. So the kingdom is near. I'm going to ask the team to just come and we'll finish with that song. And just make some space for us to you know, uh, kind of bring some of those things perhaps to God and, and, and allow Him to minister to us or... Maybe, as Tristan said before, it could be a time of repentance for us where we actually need to, to allow God to change our thinking on certain things that we would 
align our minds with his. I'm going to pray. They're going to lead us in this song and then uh, just give some space for us to personally respond. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the proclamation that the kingdom is near. Kingdom is at hand. Kingdom is in our midst. Lord, we pray that you would help us to see the reality of your kingdom and lead us by your spirit to align our hearts with your kingdom. Lord, we want to be fully sold out, fully surrendered to you and to your plans, to your will. And even in this time right now, we just hold those things before you. Maybe it's those things that eclipse your sovereignty in our lives. Maybe it's those things that we hold up or hold before you. Those things we depend on. Relationships. Our own autonomy. We bring them before you and we ask that you would do a work in our hearts. In Jesus' name. Let's just take a couple of moments. Maybe he wants to minister and show you some things personally.
this is your declaration today, can we stand together and we sing this? If this is the prayer of your heart, then let's stand and worship and sing. Lord, I give you my heart. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for Your way in our lives, we pray. Have your way in our hearts. give our hearts we surrender afresh this morning to your lordship and we do pray that you would do in us what only you can do we thank you for your goodness we thank you for your kindness we thank you for your mercy Lord we pray that our lives would honour you in every way, point to the majesty of King Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.